I should have asked you uh, over the lunch period to see if your experience was any one of the six realms that are at the center of the circle. Was it kind of heavenly or a bit the hungry ghost or were you irritated? It's, this is where, when we're in a sort of, in these kind of um, experiences, you know, where desires are being satisfied, where does the mind go? How does it relate? And just in the interviews with people, we, we touched on how, you know, sometimes we're in the heavenly realm, sometimes the hungry ghost, sometimes we're uh, um, in the animal realm with a sense of dullness. These are actual experiences. So I hope, again, it's not something you have to do anything with, but we can just kind of wake up a bit and see, see where we are. So did I do craving, or is that where we, we did no. craving yeah. thirst? We just started there. We, yeah. we just got there. We just got there. Yeah. I but craved that we started again. <laughs> started again. Well, I think I did some of it. Um, craving, the, the Pali word is tanha, which is translated as thirst. So the image is um, of a woman pouring a man a cup of tea, and it's unquenchable thirst. And I think I was saying that at this point, up to now, it's been somewhat automatic. It's sort of like, you know, a little bit in the past, in this present moment, everything come together. Now we're getting to the more volitional um, place uh, and really seeing the results of um, the previous choices that we've made. And the important piece about separating the object of our desire or our craving from the desire itself and that what a radical shift it makes if we can do that, if we can actually see um, the desire separately. and Because then we can see it's, it's, it's bottomless nature, it's unquenchable nature. Most of us think it's just because we haven't gotten it quite right yet. There's that sense of still, you know, if we got all our ducks in a row or got the right job or the right partner or the right set of clothes or the right haircut, whatever it might be, then things would fall into place. And it's our fault somehow that we haven't worked this out. And a lot of the times we kind of project outwards and think nearly everyone else has figured this out and I'm the one that's stuck here in this suffering not having figured it out yet. It's why it's so great to have Sangha and friends and people to talk to so we see it's, it's not that way. But for so many of us, we feel like that. It's just this, and this, it leads to a kind of agitated energy that we're often living out of. Yes? Um, do you think also that some of this is about um, generational uh, pieces that get connected at cellular levels on DNA? That's part of the ancestral way. I, yeah, I mean, I personally, whether you believe it in past lives or, as you say, ancestral, just through genetics, yes, there are very deep conditioned patterns that run through, patterns of feeling of not belonging or of needing to get a lot of material wealth or to have the emphasis is always on having a, a, a solid marriage or relationship of some kind, very deeply conditioned. Yeah, so this... Again, the, the time spans of this operating, and you know, they can be from a minute ago or from generations ago. It really is an unfolding. And you know, it's not just me and my experience, it's all your experiences and all the other, and they're all, you know, if, if there was an image, actually, if, if not, 
there's those ads on television at the moment for the droid phone and he spins this big world around and then all of a sudden the world sort of breaks up and starts going like this in these waves. So, you know, it's like that, all interacting, yeah. I had this little quote about grasping from uh, one of my favorite uh, 20th century philosophers, 21st century, I guess, Calvin and Hobbes, where Calvin is saying, giving is better than having. When you get something, it's new and exciting. When you have something, you take it for granted and it's boring. And Hobbes, a voice of wisdom, always says, but everything you get turns into something you have. Calvin, that's why you always need to get new things. Hobbes, I feel like I'm in a stockholder's dream. Calvin, waste and want, that's my motto. <laughs> it really is the kind of capitalist mentality, you know, and you see, I still don't quite understand business and how it works. Businesses have to grow. They can't just, you know, provide a product or a service and pay some people. There's this push, it has to get bigger, and we can feel how we're in that. Um, mind state too, of, you know, always something out there that we can, even as we are in an experience, as you were saying so widely, but wanting more of it, you know, want, and it can be good things. I mean, so many people I talk to on retreat, they're on a retreat, planning their next retreat, you know, it's, it's what we do. So the next part of the links, and this is kind of a slippery slope where, you know, they'll blur so much you can't even distinguish. The next link is clinging. And there it's a, um, a sometimes it's a monkey here, it's a, a man uh, picking fruit off the tree. So it's that grasping movement of, of holding on to. It's, it's, it's basically a solidification of the craving. The craving has kind of a reaching out and the clinging we've got and we're holding on and we're pulling it close. We're holding on to whatever it is that we want. And for most of us, these two just go, we don't see the difference. We don't, you know, they, they happen so automatically. But again, meditatively or um, experientially, if you pay attention, you can see you know, this, this difference. And I always remember Edward came up with a really good example of this, of um, where there was uh, craving but not clinging. Do you, do you, you probably don't remember? <laughs> it was something about like a, a socialite's fa uh, fashion dress, you know, whatever the fashion is of the moment. These, especially women it tends to be, who you know, have to have the current gown of the year and they wear it once and then it's gone. You know, that's, that's a, a rare example. Most of us, once we have something, we cling to it. And sure, as Calvin says, at some point it gets boring and then you want to get the new thing. But we do tend to hold on to cling to something. Now, this clinging, again, and the, the craving and the clinging can be in a moment and we get something and we've had it, you know, especially around like a lot of sense impressions of tastes and whatever, mm -hmm. tasted and then we've had enough. It can be long-reaching where we're just clinging to a dream of, you know, a holiday in Jamaica or a car or, a, you know, a new home or whatever it is. So again, long periods of time can, can um, this, we can be in this place of experience. So we move around the circle and this, is, this whole sequence is so interesting for me from the grasping to the clinging, to becoming. 
the image here it's actually it's a, a couple making love but it's really that sense of conception often it's a pregnant woman so but there's this sense of something becoming more solid not quite fully born yet but more solid it's the the strong beginning of a sense of self and again we're doing it time after time um, in, in our experience. From the sense that the becoming, the next image is birth, and it's usually a woman giving birth, and it completes the becoming. Again, experientially, they can, these can happen so quickly we can't uh, distinguish them, but you, know, you can just feel as you come up in your mind with a sense of self, a story that you're telling, and at first it's kind of floating a little, but then there's something that happens where something really says, yes, you know, this is who I am, this is what you're like, this is how it is, and there's that sense that this is the way things are. We've landed in a certain place, a certain experience, a certain way of being in the world. This is the birth. And this is also where um, we can get challenged or threatened because as we come into this sense of self, this strong sense of identification, it's, we've solidified it as best we can. I mean, we're propping it up and that's when it can get challenged if there's anything that comes into our experience that doesn't fully support that. And we can take that deep breath and go, no, I am, you know, doing this or taking charge or not like that or I am like that because the world is sometimes giving us different messages. So it's important to um, really feel. We can feel on a visceral level sometimes. And on retreat, I often encourage people as an object of meditation to feel that sense of self coming into being. And most of us can. And even you know, in a, in a day like today or in your practice, for me, it's a kind of contracting, uplifting energy. There's a tightening around it and a little bit of uplift is like me. It's very subtle, you know, it's not the body moving, but you can pay attention to this in, in your experience. And what the Buddha said is, inevitably with birth, old age, sickness, and death. As soon as something is born, it will die. These two are inextricable. And so the next on the link is, um, it's actually very traditional or Asian. It's a, a man carrying a corpse to a burning ground. So, you know, the idea of the corpse being bound in cloth on, on the back, being carried to the burning ground. Old age, sickness and death, long hand for suffering. You could put anything in there, whatever it is that troubles you. But as soon as you create a sense of self, you're born into this, whatever it is, good, bad, indifferent, mother, father, daughter, daughter, son, wife, lover, husband, it will come to an end, whatever that identification is. And sometimes the identification is painful and we actually want it to come to an end, but most of them that we take up, we have some charge around and it's painful when that gets challenged, when that ends, and we see this again and again. So this 
centrality of suffering, the inevitably, inevitableness of suffering out of this is really what we have to keep coming back to. Um, as long as we're going to grasp and make a sense of identity, some suffering is going to come from that. And again, I was teaching the other day, and you know, yes, on some levels, our lives are pretty comfortable. You know, com comparatively, Marin County, I mean, you're probably from all over, but pretty blessed, right? You know, it's, as I said, high-class samsara. Even within that, there is suffering, even within, in all of our lives. I just did a round of interviews um, with my DPP students the other day, and just one after the other, you know, people with families, the son is addicted, or the husband doesn't understand, or the mother's getting Alzheimer's. This is life. It's, it's there. And we have so many, um, we've all come up with so many strategies to avoid this, of denial, of, of um, going towards the pleasantness, you know, it's the, it's the whole area of drugs and intoxicants to just kind of let ourselves not feel it. But this is what happens if we don't wake up, is there's suffering. Yes, Masha. Mm -hmm. I have confusion or trouble seeing how clinging goes to the becoming, how that, that cycle that started there leads to becoming. Um, I'm trying to think of a, of a good example. Um, I mean, just a simple one, wanting a new car. You get your new car, say it's a BMW or whatever it is. I am the owner of it. Do they see my BMW? Yeah. Okay, so I want to now do an experiential exercise because after lunch, I know people tend to be sleepy, and then we're <coughs> going to come back and kind of look at it in, um, look at this in more detail. And it's important that you kind of understand um, all of these different links. So it's been great you've been asking questions. To make this easier in our exercise, I'm actually going to glom together the three that I call the human experience, consciousness, mind and body, and the six sense doors into one. So you don't need to you know, fully understand what Nama Rupa is and how it operates. You just need to know I'm a human with a mind and a body. But any other part of the links that you're not clear about? And you don't have to be perfectly clear. You just have to have a base, you know, you kind of listened and you kind of remember. <laughs> any, any really, really like, don't get it at all. Ignorance. Hmm? Ignorance. Um, so the classic definition is not understanding the Four Noble Truths. So it's just not seeing what you do that causes you suffering, not understanding suffering. So the exercise we're going to do, I've done this at, at DPP, it's, it's a little bit challenging. We are going to get into groups of nine. And you are going to, um, everyone hopefully between you, one of you will have a pen and you will sit in a circle and you'll spin that pen and wherever it lands, that person becomes ignorance. And then you go around clockwise, the next person, is volitional formations. The next person is that whole list of three, basically the human experience. 
someone is contact da, 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 throughout the rest of the links. And then you are going to go through and describe to the others what your role is in this cycle. So you're all going to kind of confirm, and you can confer with each other, I don't really understand, and I think it's this. And so you come to some agreement within your group. And then you are going to what I call run something through the cycle. And um, I just recommend choosing something very simple, like wanting something. And the classic people often end up with is wanting, say, some chocolate. Most people like chocolate. So I'll give you an example of what this might look like. But this is, can be a very dynamic exercise. So you can do it standing up. You can role play, you can touch each other, you know, you can interact, you can go out across the circle and say, you know, you're, you know, I'm affecting you or you will affect me or whatever. So it's quite dynamic. This is what it might look like. So the first person is ignorance. And ignorance might say something like, there's something out there that's going to make me happy. I just haven't found it yet, but I think it's chocolate. Something like that. Or, you know, the other classic definitions is, you know, I don't understand dependent origination or I don't understand karma and the effects of my actions. I don't understand not self. I believe I'm a permanent solid self. My name is so-and-so and this is who I am and you're never going to convince you. You act out of ignorance. You act as ignorance. The next person is Sankara's. And so in this analogy of chocolate, it's like, ah, oh, I remember all the times I've eaten chocolate. It always tasted so good. Or, you know, I have this memory of coming home and really be being tired and frustrated and eating a box of chocolates is like the, the best thing I can do. Um, you know, remembering the taste of chocolate. It's delicious. Or all, all of the associations one has with chocolate. The next person is, is all of these three, the human experience. So basically, you can do any part of it, the consciousness that looks for chocolate, the orienting that knows where the chocolate, you know, remembers the smell of chocolate or the taste of chocolate or knows where the chocolate's hidden or how to go get chocolate or whatever. So however you act that out. The next person is contact. You are the piece of chocolate. I don't know how you do that, but you, this is a, what do they call improvisational theater. Vedana, feeling tone. So contact is someone gets eaten in this example. So I don't know, again, how you're going to do that. You can choose a different example. And then someone is the pleasantness of that. In this case, the chocolate is pleasant. The craving is as soon as you have the one taste, can you stop with one taste and just put it away? No, you want more. And then you want the whole thing. And from that whole thing, you, whatever, however much you eat, you become a chocoholic or I'm sick of chocolate or, you know, I always do this. I put on, I, I get frustrated and I put on weight, you know, I, my skin is going to break out, all of the stuff that happens out of that. So that's the, that's actually the becoming of identification. And then, oh, that was, the, and that was the birth. I, I got a bit ahead of myself, but you can kind of see how it plays out, all of the things. And then old age, sickness and death with the chocolate, chocolate's finished, or I'm finished, you know, or death by chocolate, however you might want to. And then, so you could come up with something more complex, but I suggest something fairly simple to start with. Um, and if you go through it, sometimes people go through this very quickly, do it again, and you'll find different ways of, of playing it out. 
or come up with something more complex, you know, something maybe in your life more of a, an experience that you want. So you can see. Any questions about this? Um, so each, each person will be one of the 12 links, except yes. one person will be three links. Yes. So I think uh, we'll probably need nine people in each group plus one for the three links, so 10 in each group. Is it 10? Uh, I, I had a different few different... I was trying to calculate how many ideas. You're right. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Thank you. It always amazes me that 12 minus 3 equals 10, but it's because you have to put the 1 back in. So we'll go into groups of 10, and the way, reason I'm doing that is because there's no way we're going to have an even number. And so the people that are left over will go and join the first groups and fill out. So you might have to know a bit about Nama Rupa and everything. Um, and we'll just see. So 